0: hello and welcome to episode 83 of the atlanta man podcast i'm your host ryan rogers and i'm joined as always with my friend evan Etheridge. and uh, on today's episode got a lot of hawks to talk about some off off off-court stuff which is our isn't our favorite but uh, we got to talk about it and, uh some encore stuff too which actually was pretty good this week for the first time in a while and I uh, will talk about a little bit of brave stuff towards the end but uh the main main subject today is the Hawks so uh, how you doing man how you feel about the Hawks right now
1: oh man I'm good this is uh I have a different vibe about this podcast you know we're not we're not trash talking the Falcons or, or you know you know the Haw- the Hawks had a very good week and uh you know I'm ready to I'm ready to you know January anything for me before january basketball wise is kind of irrelevant you know this is when it starts getting good and and you really lock into the to the schedule and the team so super excited the hawks man they're uh they're they're starting to click a little bit so we'll get into that
0: yeah they are and um yeah i mean everything before january is kind of a wash um some people will even say it don't matter until after the super bowl (laughs) so if you're one of those people you still get like a month before things start to matter but um yeah, it's a uh, it's definitely been a a better stretch on the court for the Hawks at least. Um, but uh, yeah, they're back at five hundred. They got three games under. They've won three games in a row now. Their first three game winning streak of the season, which is kind of wild in a bad way that they haven't won three games in a row yet. But we'll take it. Um, but uh, yeah, before we talk about the actual games, we should at least mention the uh, reporting earlier this week about uh, the whole. I mean, the whole front office kind of had a weird. I mean, there's been a shuffle all season. Travis Schling's already stepped down. Kyle Korver is now the assistant GM, which is pretty cool. Uh, I'm sure you like that too, as much as I do. But um, there's also the reporting of how involved Tony Ressler's son is, Nick Ressler, who's a 27-year-old. And apparently he was uh, a big part of why Travis Schling stepped down as general manager and to a more stand-back role in the front office. Uh, The the most important thing I think out of that whole report was how involved he was in the DeJounte Murray trade, which uh, apparently he was really pushing for that and it got done obviously. But Travis Slink apparently was not the biggest fan of the package the Hawks had to send to San Antonio, which I mean, if you remember at the time, the package, it was it was a lot for DeJounte Murray. It's um, probably, I mean, DeJounte Murray is a great player, obviously, but it's probably a package more for a like superstar than just an all-star level player with just the amount of picks the Hawks sent and all of the picks were unprotected Um, something you don't really see in the NBA much anymore of unprotected first round picks. But um, yeah, what are your thoughts on all this nepotism going on right now within the front office? Because I'm not a huge fan of what, of this. And um, you know, I really am not a fan of ownership ever being super hands-on and that's just kind of how it is right now with the wrestlers.
1: Yeah, it seems that way. Um, You know, it it really seemed like the Hawks, a couple of years ago when they, when they made the conference finals, this, this organization was taking a turn for the better. And uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been kind of murky ever since we really haven't gotten better. We really haven't gotten, you know um, you know, we haven't really elevated to the, to the next level. Um, but now all this stuff's coming out and we kind of see what w- what's going on behind the scenes a little bit. Um, you know, it, it, it seems to me like Travis Schlenk hasn't had control of the team uh, for the last couple of years it kind of seems like Nick Wrestler uh you know who who's just a little bit older than me and you is has really taken control of of the head of operations and you know i i don't know if that's a good thing um you know he he's very young you know he he might know game a little bit but but you just don't you just don't know um it, it's kind of scary to be honest with you um but but for all this to come out and uh you know in the middle of the season like this after after there's been a ton of drama already with uh, Nate McMillan and the, the coaching staff and, and, and just inconsistency, really, it, it, it's honestly not good. And, and I don't really have a, you know, good feeling towards, towards any of this stuff coming out. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't love it either. I mean, you know, you said that he might know ball. I, I, I'm sure he knows a little ball. I mean, he's probably been around basketball a good bit in his life, but I mean, for him to be this hands-on and every time it's like a family member of the owner, it, you just automatically assume the worst, which I think is the right thing to do. Um, I, you know, if he's, if he's the reason that um, Travis Schlink stepped down and you see and if he's the reason that some, you know, things have gone awry in the front office, like maybe this was part of the reason McMillan was thinking about uh, quitting <laughs> like a few weeks ago. Yeah. the report coming out, that could be, there could be something there, but I mean, you know, I think, Schlink has definitely fallen out of favor over the past couple of years. And we kind of just assumed that he was the head hunch on the front office, office, but um, it appears that it might not have been that way. And things, it might not be all on him of some of like, I mean, the Hawks last year, they had their shortcomings, you know, they only made it to the play in tournament and, or, or they made a past play in tournament, but the fact they even had to play in it was disappointing. Then the heat um, beat us in five games in the first round and nobody was a fan of that. And it was kind of a disappointing year after almost making it to the finals. And then, Obviously, this year has not been fantastic, but uh, yeah, it's I uh, I don't think it's a good thing at all that this is how this um team is being ran, but um, you know, hopefully, uh, they can keep things going on the court the way they're going right now, uh, which we can kind of transition into now. But yeah, we at least had to mention that that uh, there's been some scuttlebutt in the front office, uh, just to put it lightly. But Kyle Corbett though, um, I, I like that that he's getting moved up. He knows ball. I, I guarantee you that. And uh <laughs> I think uh that's a guy that people are gonna like having, having a bigger role in the front office now. Um so him uh up there making some more decisions and being a little more hands on with the team, I think it's definitely a good thing. Um de- more of a good thing than Nick Wrestler. So we can uh, move on now to on the court stuff, which uh this week kind of got off to a rough start. Um which in this first game against Milwaukee, the Hawks fell 114 to 105. Uh, they were without Trey in this game as he uh missed the game due to a non-COVID illness. So um not having him, definitely a big blow. And uh things got off to a pretty terrible start. And uh it's become a theme this year. That the Hawks just have one quarter that sinks the entire game. And in this game, it was the first quarter. They got outscored 39 to 19 in the first quarter. Um, that goes without saying that's very bad, so uh, yeah, what are your thoughts just on um this theme that they have going with just one terrible quarter that kind of ruins games for them and put themselves in holes they can't get out of?
1: yeah, you hit it right on the head um they just came out sluggish in the first you know without trey capella, so you know you're already you're already short, so um yeah, I mean it's just it's it's just uh how do I put this in terms? It's just um, you you really got to just limit the damage in that in that one quarter. You know, it it just seems to you always put yourself in a hole and and you're always trying to dig back. And they actually did come back a little bit in this game. You know, it it was a game towards the end. Um, You know, I I cut the TV on and and immediately we went went back down 10. And so uh, I guess that was on me. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, Not much else I can say there. (laughs)
0: Yeah, they they did, and I mean, even like under five minutes left in this game, or really under like three minutes, there there's a chance that the Hawks could win this game, which is pretty crazy. I mean, they have a knack of doing that, and you know they get down these holes and they they fight back. I mean, it's like it's frustrating, but at the same time, it's kind of encouraging that they they just don't give up, and you know, especially with the, like against Milwaukee, who is I don't know, they might be the best team in the league, at least top three team in the league. You might, without Trey, you could just roll over and this could have been just a massive blowout, but that wasn't the case. I mean, Bogey had 22 points. And it's even weird because this game, Giannis only had seven points. Like, Giannis played pretty badly. He shot three of 10 from the field. He did have 18 rebounds and 10 assists, but I guess scoring wise, he wasn't great, but he was doing some other stuff. But, like, I mean, the, they were getting cooked by Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez, which, I mean, Brooke, I mean, Brooke Lopez, every time the Hawks oh. play the Bucks, since he's been on the Bucks, I mean, he. I, I'm. I assume he's shooting eighty percent from three against the Hawks because <laughs> he went four of six in this game. Like he, he just cooks Hawks and Drew Holiday had a really good game too. But um, yeah. I mean the offense, they're always going to be behind the eight ball a little bit without Trey, even though he's had his struggles this year. He still does so much when it comes to facilitating that you're always going to miss a guy like that. And um, Dejounte Murray was not good at all in this game. And you know when Trey's out, you assume that he's going to be the guy and and uh, offense going to run through him. He had nine points on four of sixteen shooting. Uh minus 14. Um, that's that's just not gonna work in a game without Trey. Like the Hawks just don't have that kind of depth uh, when it comes to star level talent. And um, yeah, you're kind of just drawing dead if DeJounte is playing like this with Trey off the floor. And I mean it's it's pretty crazy though. If you would have told me that Giannis does what he does, and you know, like Bogey has 22 and DeJount or not DeJounte, DeAndre has a good game, like Maybe the Hawks are in this thing a little more, maybe even win. But, you um, know, there's some outside factors. DeJounte playing bad and, you know, Brooke Lopez and Drew Holiday kind of playing a bit over their heads uh, kind of did them in. But uh, the good news is this was the only game they lost this week. They haven't lost since. So we can get into the more of the positive stuff now. And uh, this next one was a bit of a doozy. Uh, Hawks versus Pacers. Indiana not projected to be very good this year, but I think we talked on before when the Hawks played them earlier this year. They've been playing – way better than anticipated. They're an above 500 team. I I don't know if they are anymore, but they were out of the plan and actually just in the regular playoffs um, at the time of this game. Um, But uh, yeah, this was a pretty big win um, in Indiana on the road. Uh, The Pacers were without Tyrese Halliburton, who has been fantastic this year, their best player by a lot. Uh, So that's definitely a help for the Hawks um, to have him out. And on top of that, Trey came back and played in this one. So uh, yeah, it's a good win for them headlined by the John Collins tip-in at the at the basket uh, towards the end of the game to put them up by two. Uh kind of weird how the Hawks have had so many games in this season with like game-winning shots around the rim. AJ Griffin has two of them, Collins has one, and then there was like against the Bulls, where I think it was who's on the Bulls, was it Ayo DeSumo? He had a game-winning, like one of the AJ Griffins to beat the Hawks. It was just a layup to win the game. It's like the fourth game this year where the game's ended on a layup. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on this one? Because it was definitely a weird game, uh, kind of a weird matchup, too, playing the Pacers without Halliburton. And, I mean, they were competitive in this game, but uh, he's the best player, so definitely an advantage there for the Hawks.
1: Yeah, I got, I got two words for this. Onyeka Okongwu. Yes. He balled out. 18 points, 20 rebounds. Like, dude, w- w- since since uh, Capella's been out, man, he he has he has picked up the pace like he's not playing around and uh you know I, he's definitely earned more minutes i think you're going to you have the ability to ease capella back in like 50-50 or or even 60-40 on yeka right now i mean you have time get get capella fully healthy i know he's already back but he has been he has been so good and even in the pick and roll like just getting lobs from Trey. i mean he has been moving and his defense you know we don't even talk about enough we don't talk enough about his defense, like blocks. He had four blocks. Like he, he was, he was all over the place against the Pacers and uh, you know, shout out to him, man. He was awesome.
0: Yeah. I mean, the stat line is insane. Um, 18 points, 20 rebounds, four assists, four blocks and two steals. That's, that's doing everything. Um, probably. I, I mean, it's gotta be his best game of his career. I know he's had, he's had his moments where in the big playoff games too. I know he was huge part of the, uh, 2021 run to the Eastern Conference Finals, but he has never had like a complete game like this. And this is a really good matchup for him. Um, Indiana, they play very small. They like they just don't have a traditional center. So he was definitely able to feast and get all those rebounds. Cause I mean, and had his problems rebounding. I mean, he's not like a traditional, traditional center. He's not like Capella, who is like the center archetype. He's more of a guy that can go and uh, defend on the perimeter. He's developing more of a jump shot. You know, he's kind of a stretch four in some ways. But he, he played like a true center in this one. 20 rebounds is no joke. Um, you know, super efficient around the rim, 9-of-12 shooting. Like, you can't really ask for a better game from him. And uh, Trey coming back in this game, too, he was very good. 6-of-10 from three. And it's kind of funny. Um, all, of the, all of the shots he made were threes. He went 6-of-16 yeah. from the field and 6-of-10 from three. Didn't make a two. And the Hawks, on the whole, were way better from three than they were two they shot uh 41% from two and they shot 48.5% from three. So you don't see that a ton but I guess that's I guess that's better. I mean uh, that um that you're shooting that well from three but 41% on twos is kind of rough but uh still good game um overall. The offense played well enough. I know they had a really good first quarter with 36 points. They kind of teetered off a little bit in the second, only scored 19. I guess that that was the one bad quarter. Um, not a full-blown disaster like that quarter against the Bucks but Definitely still not good, but they were able to overcome all that and uh, come out with a pretty gutty win on the road. And, again, they needed to win. As I mean, I know – I mean, mentioning, like, the front office earlier, they've kind of bottomed out off the court of how bad things have gone, but they've just kind of refused to bottom out on the court. They've had chances, like in this game and games in the past, where if they lost that game, things were just, like, full blown out of control. And they've been able to weather the storm a little bit here, and um, they're back at five hundred now. So we can get into the next game. Against the Raptors zone. This one was. uh, oh, Yeah, this was definitely the most dominant game, uh, do- dominant win of the week. Uh, the Heat game was dominant for a little bit, but they kind of let him back in. But uh, the Hawks win this one, 114 to 103. Uh, It seems that they finally figured out how to play the Raptors, which is a thing <laughs> that they used to not know how to do at all. Uh, The first game they played this year, the Raptors beat us by 30. (laughs) So, and the Hawks have won the last two games since I know the second game they played was the first AJ Griffin game winning layup, uh, but this one uh, was more dominant than that one. They win by 13. Um, They were up by 12 at the half and uh, they're just kind of cruised from there. I mean, they, they didn't have the disaster quarter to let the Raptors back in. They just kept firm control of this game Um, going into the, going into the fourth quarter, they were up by 17 points. Like they Played a pretty complete game. Trey, once again, was really good. DeJounte, very solid in this one, too. He had 27. Trey was 29. Um, yeah, not much more you can ask for. They didn't have Bogey in this game. He was out with a left quad injury, so they didn't have that spark off the bench. But A.J. Griffin at 13, like just a pretty all-around solid win in all facets of the game.
1: Yeah, yeah, dominant. Like you said, start to finish. I mean, came out hot in the first quarter. Uh, what, did we, what did we drop? Almost 40 in the first quarter. Um, 34, yeah, 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 34. So a- every starter in double digits, and you had Jalen Johnson, uh, pl- played some quality minutes. I-, I really like what I see from him uh, a lot. I think him and AJ have been fantastic this year. Um, very underrated, Jalen Johnson, I'd say. I, I you know, AJ is getting all the all the hype, but I think Jalen really does a lot of the dirty work, and and you know, he- he's he's big for us for sure. Um, yeah, if you if you would have told me at the beginning of the year, we'll-, we'll we'll take the season series against the Raptors, I wouldn't have believed you. I mean, I just wouldn't have. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, screw the Raptors. I don't like them.
0: <laughs> yeah, they um definitely have an interesting way of approaching NBA basketball like no other team does. I will say um, in these matchups against Toronto, I know having not having Capella has been bad for the Hawks, but Capella versus the Raptors has always just been a terrible matchup for him. So, like, having a Kongu out there playing majority of the center minutes is probably a good thing because – the Raptors, they don't play a traditional center, but it's not like how Indiana does it. They're just, the Raptors are so damn fast. Like they just have athletes everywhere. And that gives Capella trouble at times. They just don't have a guy that can he just kind of anchor into the rim with. So I think that definitely helped out the defense in this one, having a Congo for more minutes, but yeah, the Raptors are just not playing good basketball overall. Like they're just kind of, um, they're not having a great season. Um, so no other way to put it really. Uh, but, uh, they're just not getting the same kind of production from guys like Van Vliet and Gary Trent and some of their shooters. But, yeah, this is good win um, on the road against the Raptors, you know. And, yeah, it seems like they've finally gotten over those uh, woes that they had against the Raptors earlier this year and last year for a lot of the season. So, uh, yeah, we can uh, move on to last game of the week. Or this was actually this week. It was on Monday on MLK Day against the Miami Heat. Um traditional standalone game for the hawks in mlk day they get this every year there's that afternoon slot on a monday kind of a weird time to watch an nba game um, mm-hmm. on 330 on a monday but uh, they do it every year and the hawks played very very well in the first half um not as great in the second but they still were able to uh, come out with a 121 to 113 win against the heat and i'll say the first half i mean i that's the best they've played and I mean, maybe since the beginning of the season when they kind of got off to a good start, but it might be the best half they played all season. They were awesome offensively, and the defense um, was solid too.
1: Dude, yeah, a- a- everything was flowing like just just pure basketball, man. They were they yeah they couldn't be stopped literally. So D- I got to say one thing: those jerseys that they were wearing on MLK Day are sick. I need yeah, to I, need I, one. I like
0: I like the court too a lot. The court's really cool. Yeah, yeah. But uh yeah, it was a it was a, it was a fun game to watch in MLK Day. Uh like you said, good jerseys. The Heat I like the Heat jerseys too. They have their throwbacks on. I think those are pretty sick also. So good jersey matchup, pretty much all I could ask for. But uh player of the game, in my opinion, was DeJounte. He was awesome all over the place. Twenty-eight points, uh seven assists, four rebounds, eleven of seventeen shooting, five of eight from three, had the most threes on the team. Uh the Hawks in the first half, I think they shot seventy percent from the field in the first half, which is Just an outstanding number. They finished the game at 59%, which is still very good. 48% from three. Trey, really good again. He has seemed to have found his shooting stroke, which is very, very important to what this team does and what they need. And this was Capella's return. Um, He didn't start the game. Um, He came off the bench. But I think he looked solid after missing. I think he he hadn't played since like right before Christmas. So he's been out for a good bit. And uh, I think he looked good. I mean, didn't play of minutes, only 21 minutes as he was uh, on a restriction there. But six or seven from the field, um, made all of his bunnies, which he doesn't always do. But he did that in this game. Um, and I think he looked fine on defense. I'm sure he's not 100 100%, 100% yet up to speed. But I think, um, you know, the more the more time he gets under his belt back, he's just going to return to old Capella and just be a absolute monster down there defending the rim. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, everyone played well in this game really. I mean, Collins, he was really involved in the first half offensively. Um Hunter was solid. Like everybody was just solid. You know, I think Trey and DeJounte were above at, like a, a, like really good and everybody else just did their job. And when that happens, like the Hawks are going to win more times they lose if everybody can do their job. So um yeah, you got any, uh, any other thoughts on this one?
1: No, I don't. I, I love when the Hawks play primetime. It, it always seems like they step up. You know, we've been on TNT and ESP in the last two games and uh you know, the stars have shown out. I think DeJounte, Dejounte looked fantastic. That's probably one of the best games I've seen him play uh, against the Heat on, on Monday. So, um, no man, the, the Hawks have got it flowing right now. Like you said, three in a row. Um, I have a little stat. They've actually they have led for the last 96 minutes of basketball they've played. It's not so bad. that's that's more than two full games. So um, you know, keep this rolling into tonight. We have uh we have Luca and and the Mavericks. I think we're at home, right? Yeah.
0: Um, I don't know top of my head. Give me one second. I'll tell you. Uh, This is great podcasting. Yeah, we're We're on the road. On the the road. road.
1: (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So right now, Dallas minus two and a half. Um, you know we have a fifty-two point one percent chance of winning, but we are not the favorites. Kind of weird, but um, yeah. yeah. ESPN likes
0: this, but Vegas doesn't. That is interesting. Um, but yeah, um, and on tonight's speaking of tonight's game, it's like the first time in forever that the Hawks don't have anybody on the injury report. They are completely clean. No one's on there. It says Lucas day to day on here, but I believe he's playing, but, uh, um, yeah, this will be a good game. Um, big game for Deandre Hunter. how so he holds up against Luca for sure. Um, as Luka's uh, Lucas averaging 34 points a season, which <laughs> it's pretty nuts. He's an MVP candidate. So it'll be an interesting matchup. Um, hopefully Trey can uh, keep keep up with his good ways, which I want to talk about him for a second here and his his numbers um as of late. His last six games that he's played, averaging twenty-seven points, eight and a half assists, and most important numbers in my head, um or the number was his three point percentage, he's forty-six percent from three in his last six games. So it's I think he's back um shooting the ball. I took him about half the season, but <laughs> it uh better late than never, I guess. Um and yeah, so Definitely good to have him back shooting the basketball to his full capabilities because he just had a really rough start um, to the season shooting and um, you know right now the Hawks they're five hundred still in the play in but um still like the the play they're only um what two and a half games behind the Knicks for the uh first spot of the regular playoffs I don't even know how to say it. just like you're in the playoffs non play in playoffs <laughs> um but uh, so yeah they play them Friday so that could be that's gonna be a pretty big game I believe we'll be there.
1: Yeah, we will be there Friday night, man. The Hawks got to show yeah. out for us.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, do uh, you got any uh, final thoughts on these Hawks? Where we talk a little bit about some Braves stuff, tiny bit of Braves news.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll just wrap it up a little bit. I think I think we're starting to to really catch fire a little bit. I think DeAndre Hunter has been fantastic lately. Um, ever since the new year, really, he's he's been fantastic. Um, Jalen Johnson, like I said, you know, he he's not going to get. 30 minutes a game, but when he, when he comes in, he's been, he's been doing work. And then of course, Anyeka uh, Okongwu, he's been, he's, he's been awesome. So I, I'd like to see uh, him and Hunter keep it up, you know, with Capella coming back, we'll see how they're kind of managing uh, his minutes a little bit. I, I still think you're going to see more Okongu right now for at least the next week or so. Um, but yeah, man, I'm excited. We got We got a pretty fun schedule coming up and uh, I'm, I'm ready to get above 500 and stay above 500.
0: Yeah, me too. And they got a chance to do that tonight against Dallas, but it's going to be a tough matchup. Like I said with Luca, the Mavericks are good and we're on the road. So it's definitely going to be a tough order. And God, I'm still going to stand to the Grizzlies have won 10 games in a row, which is pretty crazy. But uh, yeah, anyway, um, we can move on now. Talk about some brave stuff. I mean, nothing happened really with the team. Um, arbitration stuff happened. I guess Max Fried is the only guy that's having to go to arbitration, which – um, I guess we, we can talk about that a little bit, um, just arbitration stuff. But, uh, yeah, what do you think about Freed having to actually go to the arbiter and do the whole process? I know a lot of people weren't happy with the Braves on this one because they think this impacts the relationship, and Max Freed is a guy that's re- coming towards the, the end of his contract, and you know people are wondering if he's coming back. So what do you think about this whole arbitration thing of him being the only guy on the team having to go?
1: Yeah, I don't think it's a good look at all. Um, if you're sitting here squabbling over $2 million, like – that's just not that's just not good, uh, especially how good he's been for how for how cheap his contract is, his rookie contract. So I don't like this at all. I think you should you should just fess up and pay the man or, or go ahead and give him a five, six year contract. Um, I don't like this pettiness at all. Uh, you know, we know how much money Liberty Liberty Media makes um, off the battery alone. And, and so I just don't really understand it. Um, you know, him being the only one is is, is kind of concerning, to be honest.
0: Yeah. um, And I mean, that is how the Braves have kind of always operated in arbitration. I mean, it's usually worse than this. They usually like I know the Braves. I mean, he's the only one they didn't come to an agreement with before the deadline. Um, But it's usually the Braves are for the most part, even after they won the World Series, they're a trial and file team where they just usually send everybody to arbitration and say, we're not we're not negotiating with you. Go to the arbiter. They didn't do that with most guys this year. But Freed, yeah, it is. He's kind of the one guy more than anybody that you would like to come to an agreement with and not have to go to court over. I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly how sour relationships get over the arbitration stuff. I mean, I, like, I know two, I'm two million. I would like, I'm with you. I would just say, Hey, Max Reed, you've been great for your whole career. Here's your $2 million. I mean, there's been some worse examples. I know, I think, I think it was the Astros are taking Kyle Tucker to arbitration over like 400 grand, which I just like, I think that's for, like absurd. I, that could be wrong. I'm on the number, but it was some minuscule amount of money. Um, but yeah, the arbitration is a weird system uh, as a whole. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's like divorce court bad of how bad things get in there. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's definitely not good. And yeah, like the writing's kind of been on the walls. I, I mean, this is a conversation for tears down the road when Max Fried's actually a free agent, but I don't think in two years he's going to be with the Braves. <laughs> like, I think it's like a kind of Dansby Freddie situation where they probably, they've definitely tried to extend him, and it's just not happening. And the Braves, we've seen how they operated now the past few years with Dansby and Freddie. They're probably just going to dust off their hands and move on. And uh, I don't know, I don't know how you feel about that, but that's a uh, kind of not really worried about that right now. We still got two more years of freed, but I definitely don't think it's a good thing. Um, him going to being the only guy on the team having to go to arbitration.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you hundred percent, man.
0: Yeah. So, um, everybody else though, got a contract. Um, but, uh, yeah, we don't have to talk about those numbers cause it's just really not a lot of money for any of those guys, but, uh, there was some stuff that happened that was Braves adjacent, I guess, that kind of concerns the team. Um, Adam Duvall is officially gone. He is now with the Boston Red Sox on a one year, $7 million contract. Um, I know I was, always a big proponent of bringing Adam Duval back. I'm a big Adam Duval fan. So it kind of hurts to see him go, but um I wasn't uh super shocked to see him leave. I think if he was coming back to the Braves would have happened by now. So uh what do you think about Duval to the Red Sox? Um yeah, cuz I not not a huge surprise to me at all.
1: Yeah, good for him, man. Uh I know it's a 7 7 million dollar deal. It can go up to 10 million with some incentives. Um but yeah, I just, I just like you said, it, it, it would happen early on, and it probably would have been a little bit cheaper than that. So you know, I, I I'm not upset at all. Adam Duvall was great for us uh, for years, and I will never, ever, ever forget that home run, that grand slam. Yeah. You know, it just, it just goes kind of under, under, under a little bit that we didn't even win that game, but that moment right there was, I will never forget that. So shout out to Adam Duvall.
0: Yeah, he would have been Solaire. Like, Solaire's homer is the one that, like, lives forever. That would have been the homer that mm-hmm. would that we have seen a million – I mean, I've seen it a lot because I, I even though we lost the like, game, I'm not going to watch that all the time because that's just a crazy moment. Um, but it, that would have been the Solaire homer over the train tracks if the Braves had won that game. It, that would have been the clincher. So, <laughs> it, yeah, that kind of sucks for him a little bit, but um, – <laughs> But still, yeah, I love Adam Duvall, and I'm I'm glad, like, this was a relief because I saw that he signed, I saw people talking about him this morning, and I was like, oh, God, I thought he went to the Mets because I know um, the bunch of Mets fans have been wanting him, and he, like, makes sense to be on the Mets. Um, so I was just really glad that he didn't go to New York. Um, Boston's perfectly fine with me, him and Kenley. Um, they're together now, two Braves legends, so that's perfectly fine with me. And, uh, yeah, it seems like this was kind of, like, the last guy, I think, that the Braves could have gotten to shake up the roster a little bit. And it just really seems that this is the team. Like this is going to be it. Eddie and Jordan Luplo fingers crossed. I don't know how that's going to turn out. It's going to be um, definitely something to watch, but um, yeah, I think we're kind of set with our roster here and uh, yeah, always, always going to be thankful for Adam Duvall and that uh, he was a huge part of the world series run. He was our center fielder for the world series. It's pretty, pretty crazy to think about, but he was, he was our center fielder. So um, we can uh, move on now, and I guess the only other piece of news that has to do anything with the Braves, and it barely does, is Correa went to the Twins, which he's not on the Mets, and that's all you can ask for at this point. So he went back to the Twins about a week ago on a much cheaper contract than he thought he was going to get going into this offseason. Um, kind of the weirdest, probably the weirdest free agency I've ever seen. Um, but, yeah, you got any thoughts on Correa going back to the Twins? Because I was thumbs up from me. keep him out of, the, Keep him away from the Mets.
1: This was awesome. Just, just send him up North in the middle of nowhere, Minnesota, baby. I I love it. I love it. I, I, you know, seeing these Mets fans all over Twitter and, and all that good stuff. This just feels good. It feels good. So shout out to Carlos Correa, man.
0: Yeah. Giants and Mets legend, Carlos Correa. Um, (laughs) Always, always remember him with those two squads, but uh, yeah, I saw some Mets fans. They were, they were trying to cope with this and I, I, it was one of the most ridiculous things I ever saw. They tweeted, um, Eduardo Escobar had four more RBIs than Carlos Correa last year. And I mean, like, I mean, whatever helps you sleep at night, but if you think that Eduardo Escobar is better than Carlos Correa, then I mean, godspeed to you because that's, um, that's an insane take. But yeah, it's, uh, it's good news all around. I mean, the Mets. As of right now, I know they signed Tommy Pham today, which that doesn't really move the needle much for me. I think he was, I think they're probably in on Adam Duvall, um, but they end up getting Tommy Pham instead, which I think that's good for the Braves. I think Adam Duvall is a lot better than Tommy Pham. Um, but, but yeah, without Correa, it's the Mets are kind of just running it back. They kind of plug the holes they left that they lost with like DeGrom. He leaves, they bring in Verlander, bring back Nemo, bring back Diaz. Like it's kind of the same team pretty much um so I don't think they got super a lot better but if they would have gotten Correa they would have been a lot better so it's definitely good news that um he's back in Minnesota which I just it's so funny like <laughs> I watched him of his press conference when he was signed when they, they officially signed him and it was just like gosh like I wonder how the twins the twins players feel it's like you with the two other teams and then you had to come back like it's it's such a bizarre situation but uh yeah you got any uh, final thoughts on anything Braves related before we get out of here
1: well, this is not Braves related at all, but how do you think Giants fans feel? They had Aaron Judge for seven minutes, and then they had <sighs> Carlos Correa.
0: Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, it's, I think, I think they're more, they feel better now that the Mets also backed out, because I think yeah. if he would have just went straight to the Mets and they were the only team to back that, they would be like, oh my God, like, what, what's going on? But I mean, the Aaron Judge things like that arson judge, that's not their fault, that that's <laughs> like that was just malpractice <laughs> that was, like John Heyman, man like God but um yeah that it, it's definitely not been a great off season for them <laughs> they've definitely no. got blue bought a little bit here which uh I feel for them but yeah it's yeah it's so weird everything about this is so weird and I don't think we'll ever see anything like it again so yeah I, uh, I think we covered it all um not much to talk about with the Braves as I think really things baseball's off has came to a halt after the Korea stuff. There's really no more big moves to be made. Um, But uh, yeah, so big, big Hawks game tonight, big week for them getting back over, getting back to 500. Hopefully next time we talk, they'll be above 500. Um, but yeah, I think we uh, covered it all. So if you made it this far listening, we really, really appreciate it and we'll see you in the next one. <music>